Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Well, this January 6th committee has told us a number of criminal defendants in this case have spoken to them and given them good information. What it stands out to me really is the types of evidence that they have. Sort of eye-popping revelations. A lot of evidence. Through some of its interviews, that committee is learning new information about who was behind the Capitol attack. All of that a prelude to what's likely to be the first set of prime time public hearings from this committee sometime in March. It's momentum. The committee is in as good of a position as they could have imagined to tell the story they want to tell. You know, it's a story I think that they have all the information to tell and now just need to figure out how to do it. Um, So how they decide to package it and present it is going to be a major part of the next few months. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, reporter Kyle Cheney. I primarily cover the January 6th investigation and the related court cases stemming from the Capitol uh, riot. On why the January 6th committee is gaining momentum in their investigation. Yeah, you heard the train. And what's next? You wrote a story with our colleague Nick Wu about how the January 6th committee has been on a winning streak recently against Trump world. So what are their recent wins? So it's actually been quite quite a few. We wrote the story because we kept every day seemed to be another development that was going their way. Uh, the biggest one, without a doubt, is they won at the Supreme Court against Donald Trump's effort to prevent them from accessing his White House records. Uh, and these are a key set of documents that, that Trump has tried to shield claiming executive privilege that essentially the Supreme Court said, no, the committee is going to be able to access them without much restriction at all. And so these are documents that are really going to show who Trump was talking to, who he was meeting with on January 6th, but also in the weeks and months before January 6th when he was laying out plans to try to reverse the election results. So that was the biggest win. And then there were a whole series of other legal victories against, for example, John Eastman, Mm. the attorney who helped Trump develop his strategy to to overturn the election on January 6th, uh, where a judge ordered him to start producing thousands of pages of documents to the committee. very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they've just been getting high profile people to come in and testify. People like Alex Jones, who apparently pleaded the fifth, but but came out of that meeting and said, uh, they have everything. They have all my texts. They have all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and they've got Keith Kellogg, a top aide to Mike Pence, who talked about who was going into the Oval Office during the attack on the Capitol, including Ivanka Trump. And so, so really high level people that most people would assume they would never have gotten access to are talking to them. And so given the fact that the January 6th panel has racked up these major wins against Trump world, now what? What are you looking for in the coming weeks? So the the question at the beginning of this investigation was, are they going to be able to do much? Will they have teeth? Will people cooperate? That question's been pretty much answered. The answer is yes, they've gotten what they've needed to. They have had teeth. You know, Steve Bannon was indicted for not cooperating with them by the Justice Department. That's remarkable. And it may have spooked quite a few other people into cooperating. Now the question is, what do they do with the information they're getting? Look, they're never going to have every single thing they want. They're probably not going to get Trump to come in and testify. Mike Pence is a big question mark. Will he cooperate in any way whatsoever? Mm -hmm. But they've got enough at this point to tell a story to the American people. The question is, how are they going to tell that story and what do they want that story to mean to people? So they're talking now about how to present their findings to the public and make it digestible in a way that people will see 
not just what happened in sort of a, a historical footnote kind of way, but but how dangerous this rep was to democracy as a whole and, and why the public needs to care about preventing it from ever happening again. And so in terms of how the committee thinks about presenting this as a narrative to the public, we know the committee has gotten some cooperation from some unlikely places, but most House Republicans are opposed. So to what degree are they worried about their findings being seen ultimately as highly partisan? So, you know, that's one of the challenges they're, they're facing now is can they produce a final product and public hearings that aren't just going to be dismissed by the entire, you know, Republican base, essentially, as the entire Republican electorate as illegitimate mm-hmm. and partisan. I think that was a problem Democrats faced during the two Trump impeachments, mm-hmm. uh, but managed to present cases in both that were fairly persuasive to even people you wouldn't expect in the American public. And I think they want to replicate that. They want to be able to lay out the evidence in a way that's so clear and so compelling uh, that you can't just dismiss it as a, as a partisan exercise. Now, they have two Republicans on the committee. They have Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, yeah. and that's proven to be very valuable in terms of convincing some Republican sources to cooperate with their investigation. People who, you know, Cheney has been a major figure in the party for a long time. And so even though she's on the outs with with Trump and the Trump loyalists, yeah. there are still a lot of Republicans willing to to listen to her in terms of giving credibility to the committee. And I think that uh, they're going to have her out front talking about some of these results to help, again, bring people in and say, look, I'm a Republican, I'm a conservative Republican, but here's why these results are real and they matter. Yeah, that's interesting. So even though she's been kind of ostracized by certain vocal members of the Republican Party, she's still a bona fide Republican. And so her her name and her brand, if you will, has has kind of helped get some of these people to testify that might not have otherwise. Yeah, that, that's exactly right, because a lot of them are, you know, Republican establishment type figures. They aren't all Trump loyalists, mm-hmm. while, while many resources they're trying to get, many uh witnesses they're trying to access are in that category. There are plenty of Republicans who were high-level figures in the Trump White House and the Trump orbit that would be more traditional Republicans and and may not reflexively try to defend him at all costs. And so those are the kinds of people I think Cheney and and the investigators that Cheney held higher uh, have credibility with. What are some of the other big challenges that the January 6th committee is still facing? Where do they draw the line, essentially? Like, how hard are they going to try to get Donald Trump to testify? How hard are mm-hmm. they going to try to get Mike Pence? Uh, and this notion of what do, you, what do you do with your own colleagues, Republican lawmakers who refuse to cooperate? Mm-hmm. And all these questions around, will they be subpoenaed? And, and somehow, will there be a fight to get them to cooperate? And I think the answer is increasingly leaning toward no, they're not going to try to subpoena these people because they may not win. It's a very complicated fight that would probably last way too long. And there may be other ways to try to convince them or coerce them to cooperate, you know, like punishing them with fines or ethics investigations or committee assignment punishment or something like that. I don't know if they'll do any of those things, but that's one of the bigger questions here is because if there is a gap in what they've gotten, it's the testimony from their own Republican colleagues who were very intimately involved in strategizing with the Trump White House uh, and were in all these meetings right before January 6th and helped lead on you know the effort to object to the election results on the House floor. Those are aspects of this probe that only they can help with and they haven't so far. And so I think that's the one area 
the committee still has a bit of a blind spot in. With January 6th committee news, the past several months have had this steady kind of drip, drip element to it. There's a lot of information, but it's kind of everything is being released like one tiny piece at a time and kind of it can be difficult to look at the full picture. Do you feel like it's hard for you to get perspective on this? I think you're right. I think you it's important to do stories like the one we did that you mentioned on the winning streak because that t- forced us to step back and say, what is the cumulative total of the things that they've been doing? Um, and it's broad. This investigation is sprawling. I mean, you know, they, you can't just look at it in numbers. They've gotten, they have gotten hundreds of witnesses, I think over 400 at this point and thousands of thousands of documents and, and et cetera. But, you know, more about the, the areas they're touching. They're looking at the financing of the January 6th rally that mm-hmm. Trump organized that preceded the insurrection. They're looking at domestic extremism, like the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, who played a big role in the attack on the Capitol. They're looking at, you know, what Trump himself did and his inner circle to try to pressure Mike Pence to overturn the election. They're looking at his efforts to get Congress to play along with this. And they're looking at the role of things like the Electoral Count Act, which is this old convoluted 1887 law that Trump tried to Mm -hmm. exploit to overturn the election. So it's expansive. And every day we learn about new people they're targeting that fit into one of those categories and you realize just what they're, you know, what they're undertaking here. So it's important to step back and view uh, how extensive it is. It makes it difficult to do that, though, and really see the, the fuller picture at all times and, and, you know, and just how complicated it was to try to unravel. Is there something you think people misunderstand about this that's an important like misconception to correct? Yeah, I think maybe that the, the committee is going to ultimately somehow lead to Donald Trump getting criminally charged with something. Um you know, I think if the Justice Department is ever going to work toward uh, prosecuting people at higher levels, it's not necessarily going to be the result of the committee's work, though they may point to a lot of evidence that ultimately connects to whatever the Justice Department is doing. I think that there's been a lot of conflation of what they're doing uh, because they've talked a bit about you know criminal referrals and possibly referring people for criminal charges if they find evidence of a crime with the more significant political outcome of the committee's work, which is, you know, the persuasion effort. It's an effort mm-hmm. to, again, highlight the existential threat that happened, that their success essentially won't be whether or not they find evidence of criminal activity by Donald Trump, but whether they convince Americans that we were truly lucky to emerge with a, a functioning republic after uh, January 6th. The committee has given themselves a spring deadline, right, which is coming up. So when are we when can we expect to see this huge ton of information? They keep describing it as imminent um, that that within (laughs) weeks we'll start to see some some public hearings. Um, It's possible that they may start rolling out things on a more gradual basis with public hearings, things like state election officials who have been the subject of a lot of threats and have to gear up for 2022 may want to talk about their experiences. Um, and then, though, there's also um, a report. They want to issue an interim report, which could come sometime in the spring or or possibly the early summer. Uh, I don't think it would come much later than that because they want it to have time to sink in and, and outside of the political frenzy that will come in September, October. Uh, and then there'll be some kind of final report that I imagine comes closer to the election or even after the election with their ultimate findings, although I think we'll know the vast majority of that. Uh, well well in advance. I think the final report will just be a way to close, tie up loose ends, reveal anything else they got 
subsequent to their interim report potentially could be explosive, but I think I think we're going to see the bulk of what they have by the summer. Kyle Cheney, thank you so much for talking with me. Of course, great to be here. Also today, the Food and Drug Administration has approved Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine for people 18 and older, making it the second vaccine after Pfizer to be fully licensed for use in the United States. Moving the vaccine past emergency authorization will make it easier for schools and workplaces to require vaccination against the virus. And Novavax has asked the Food and Drug Administration to authorize its COVID-19 shot for emergency use. Late-stage trials show that the shot was roughly 90% effective in preventing symptomatic disease, although these trials were conducted before the Delta and Omicron variants began circulating. Unlike Pfizer and Moderna's mRNA shots and Johnson & Johnson's viral vector vaccine, Novavax uses moth cells to brew batches of the coronavirus spike protein. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.